Good morning, Thrive Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, there you go, alive and kicking. How many of you just, just maybe woke up with a slight irritation? People messing with your clock this morning. You got up a little bit earlier. You know, I'm not really into politics, but if I were into politics, this would be one thing that I would stand on and say, we've got to stop messing with the clock. So there, there's my rant. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I want to welcome all those who are watching in your pajamas at home online today in the 715, and we are glad that you're connecting with us here at Thrive Church. And if you ever have any questions, go to our website at thrive715.com, and, and hopefully we can get you answers about who we are. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, if you're new here uh, we have a children's ministry that goes on in our second service, and, and so you just go out that door and go to your left, and you can get connected with our children's ministry. Also, we have a youth ministry, and, uh, and so if you have any teens that are with you this morning or teens that you know would love to come on a, on a Sunday morning, uh, that happens. Uh, in, so if you can just go to our guest center in the back, and they would gladly help you uh, get to that. So I just want to ask you, I don't know if you've noticed, but we got some renovations going on here in Thrive Church. Can we just give it up for the renovation team that is making things happen? So yeah, we got some, we got some paint splotches. Some of you walked in and you, oh, you got paint on the floor. Oh my goodness. It's okay. It's okay because we're going to be changing out the flooring this week. And we've had people painting walls and scraping wallpaper and doing all kinds of things. Can we just give it up for our serve team who is serving this church in this way? Thank you guys so much for what you're doing. And, and I, just, I just want you to know, I just ask that some people struggle with change, but I'm going to ask that you would just embrace change. Everybody, can we just do this right now? Just put your arms across saying, I'm going to embrace change because change is happening, change is good. And so we're going to embrace some of the changes that are happening here, some of the renovations. And tonight I also want to remind you, uh, one of the changes that are taking place is we're changing our bylaws, just a few minor adjustments, but we understand that some people may have questions about those minor adjustments. And so tonight uh, at 5 o'clock, if you would like to come. You don't have to, but if you have some questions about some of the adjustments with the bylaws, I ask that you would be here at 5 o'clock, and we're just going to speak about those things. So there's not going to be any official presentation, but just address any of the questions that you might have. And then next Sunday, if you are a voting member of Thrive Church, I ask that you would be here for the second service, and we're just going to have a quick vote. Uh, it's going to be kind of in and out, so we're going to vote on those adjustments in the bylaws. So again, I just encourage you, so if you want to know what Thrive Church, what, what our bylaws are, you can go to our website at Thrive715 to check out the changes and to check out our bylaws. I encourage you to do that. Uh, you may have noticed our rub-a-dub-tub over here, and uh, on Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday, we are going to celebrate Easter Sunday with some baptisms, amen? And if you've never been baptized before, you have some questions about what that's all about. Say, like, hey, I was baptized when I was younger, or any questions like that, come and talk to me, and uh, we're going to celebrate Easter Sunday uh, with new life. It's going to be a new life experience. So uh, again, you're going to hear more information about that. And then one last announcement here, if I can. So in May, we, we've recognized that uh, there's been kind of a, you know, a lot of people going through depression, oppression, discouragement, anxiety, because of everything that has happened with COVID. And so we had somebody who come, came and give us a vision of opening up the doors of our church 
and for their to partner with the artists of our community and of people who work in the mental health field to help people who are struggling with COVID. And uh, so we're going to have a special event in May. You're going to hear more about it. It's called The Moving Experience. But I'm going to ask you right now if you would consider, even today or in the next few weeks, about giving towards this so that we can, uh, we, we can resource this event. And again, you're going to hear more about the details of this. But I ask that you would just start praying about, uh, about what God is going to do. I believe that the church is supposed to be a blessing to our community. And we're supposed to help meet the needs. And there's a legitimate need there uh, with that situation. So can we just ask the Lord to bless it even right now? God, in the preparation for the moving experience, we believe that already you are touching and working in people's lives. You are a, a God who brings healing and hope. And we just pray that right now in the preparation and planning for this event, God, that lives would be changed in Jesus' name. So we just give you all the glory and honor. And everyone said, amen. I'm going to encourage you this morning to follow along in your sermon notes. If you did not receive one of them, just raise your hand. If you like a sermon notes, and our ushers will help you with that. We have somebody who raised their hand up here in the front. And you just get so much more out of it. And we're in a sermon series where I, if, if I wanted you to really take notes, it would be on this sermon series. This is one of these, these sermon series like, man, if you got this, it will change your faith. You will go to another level in your faith journey. So I really want you to grasp what I'm going to be talking about here. This is our Easter sermon series, and we've entitled it The Good News. How many of you are excited about hearing some good news this morning? How many of you have ever received great news? What is your typical response when you hear great news? What is it? Are you one of those people like, yes, yes, and you just let the whole world know it? Anybody who's like that? And if we have any quiet good news people, just, that's, that's really wonderful. That's nice. I like that. That's nice. Okay, so I have to tell you a good news story, kind of a funny story. So uh, in our earlier years of ministry, I'm going to be in trouble for telling this story, but it's funny. So uh, we, I was youth pastor in Michelle's home church. Her parents attended the church there, and we were just starting family together. We had been married a couple of years, and we had a son already, and uh, we found out the good news that we were going to, have, Michelle was going to have another baby. So we were pretty excited about it, but it was new. You know, and we just found out that week and we're like, okay, so we're, we're going to be quiet about this. We're not going to tell anybody, right, Michelle? We're not going to tell anybody, including your parents. We're not going to tell your parents. And we, we agreed on that. So with that, so go to church Sunday morning, I'm just doing my Sunday morning thing, and, and uh, I, I see Michelle's dad across the foyer, and he's just, and he's, he just is bright-eyed, and he looks like his face is a little flush, a little red, and he, maybe a little wet around his eyes, but I don't know what that's about. And, and, and so he walks, he just walks straight at me, and he, it looks like maybe he has some news to share with me, and he just looks me right in the eyes. And he says, thank you. And he hugs me, and he kisses me on the cheek. And then he walks away. I walked up to Michelle, and I said, Michelle, your dad just kissed me. <laughs> and I'm just kind of bothered by this. I, I, do you have any idea of why your dad would come up and kiss me in the lobby like that? <laughs> Maybe, just maybe, he had found out that there was some good news. <laughs> just, just maybe. 
And, and so there is grace in that. But the, we all respond to good news. It's good to have some good news. And Easter is a message of good news. Jesus has given to us good news. And, and I just believe that there's a whole lot of people in this world who are looking for some good news. And the sad thing about it is they're trying to find this good news and things that they're just... They're not going to find it in. And that's kind of the sad news about it. They're trying to find it here and trying to find it there, find it in money, find it in success, find it in things, find it in, in relationships. And they get into those things and it just doesn't satisfy. It's not the good news that they were looking for. And I think people are really, I, I really believe people are searching for good news that is real. That is life-changing. And, and in fact, Jesus tells us that that's what we're supposed to do as Christ followers. And more, in fact, and more importantly, the church. The church. Can I, ask, can I just ask the church to raise their hand right now? And we, we, I, just, I, I periodically do this to remind us that church is not a building, it's the people. And so Jesus tells the church in Mark 16, 15, he says, I, I want you to, I want the church to go into all the world and I want you to share the good news to everyone. I, I like to be a good news giver. I, I like to, to share good news with everybody. But, but here's the problem. How do you share good news when you're, you're not quite sure what the good news is? I mean, you've got a general idea, but you're not quite sure. I mean, how do, how do you explain all of this? How do you share that? Well, in some translations, the word, is, the word that is used is gospel gospel. And that's really what it means. The, the, the definition of, of the gospel is good news. And it's mentioned some 90 sometimes in, in the New Testament. And here's the good news. The good news is all about God's love and His gift of hope to the world through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. This is the good news. It's all about God's love. It's about His gift that He has given to you, this gift of hope that all of us can have. And it's given to all the world through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the good news is that we can receive this gift. And through receiving this gift, the gift of His Son, it changes our eternity. Not only does it change life here on earth, because it said Jesus has come to give us life more abundantly. So it changes how we live here. All of a sudden we have a peace, the Bible says, that passeth all understanding. But it also has a direct effect on our eternity. Now, if there was one scripture verse that sums up the entire gospel, it sums up the entire good news it would be found in John 3.16. Now, I understand we just talked about love the verb, and I really tapped into that verse a lot. But can we just continue to tap into that verse a little bit more here? Because this really details the points, the four points of the gospel. And so it says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So here's the four things. This is what the gospel is all about. So what we're going to focus in on these four weeks, okay, we're going to talk about God's love, God's, God's love for the entire world that He created. Even when the world rejects Him, God still 
loves the world. So we're, today we're going to talk about God. But second of all, the gospel is about man's sin. It's about our struggle. And our sin, it separates us from God. We're going to talk about that next week. But then, but then the, the good news is that God sent His Son as a sacrifice. Jesus, He sacrificed Himself on the cross for our sins, for the forgiveness of sins. That is, that's really the good news. And then last of all, on Easter Sunday, we are going to talk about your decision. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up the entire gospel. And so that would be a great time for you to invite somebody. If they really want to hear the gospel message, it's going to be communicated on Easter Sunday. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul, if you know his story, he was once named Saul. And when he was Saul, he was a God, he was a Jesus hater. He was a Christian hater. But he encountered the good news, and the good news, this message, changed his life based on his decision. And now he says in Romans 1.16, he says, I, now I'm not ashamed of this gospel, of this good news. I, I'm not ashamed of it. In fact, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So this good news, this message, the gospel message, is, a, is about Jesus, and it's such a powerful message. This message, if received by somebody, it transforms their life and redirects their eternity. That's a powerful message. That's powerful. And then, and then Paul reminds us that this salvation, it can only be obtained through your belief. Through faith, through faith alone. It's not based on your works. We just need only to believe and to receive this gift. So, in this series, we're going to look at each of these four points. We're going to kind of pick it apart. And here's my hope that you will, number one, you will walk away with a full understanding of what the gospel is. And number two, remember what, remember what our assignment is as a church? Our assignment is that we are to go and to share the gospel so that when we go and we talk to somebody about our faith and they say, what do you believe? <laughs> Your answer, I believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, what is that? Let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you about God's love. Let me tell you about my sin problem. Let me tell you about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And let me tell you about the decision I made. How many of you think that would be helpful? That would be helpful. So that's what we're going to talk about in this sermon series. So today, we're going to start at the, at the beginning, and it all starts with God's love. But before we can really talk about God's love, we need to talk about who is God. Now, there's various views of God, and here's some of the ones that I've heard. First of all, that God is a fairy tale. It's something that somebody made up. It's not even real. There are some who believe that God is this judge and he can't hardly wait to get you in his courtroom so that he can convict you to hell. Some people have that view. Some people have this view of God that he's some mean old man, and he's looking down from heaven, and he just keeps shaking his head. What a disappointment that I continue to see. There's some people who have the Santa Claus view of God. That if you just do this right and do this and do this, this right, well, then you're on God's good list. But if you don't do enough good things, then you're on God's naughty list, and that's a bad place to be. There's some people who have the view that God is my bestest friend in the whole world, and that it's God's job in this world to just make me feel good and to make me feel happy. He's my bestie. 
There's some people who have a genie view of God. And at our command that he is to give me whatever I want. That's, that's what God is for. Some people have the loving grandpa. And you know how loving grandpas, I can't wait to be one. Where a loving grandpa is just all forgiving, never judging, just understanding and everything. And just whenever, whenever you do something wrong, it, it's just kind of a wink, wink. It's okay. It's okay. You don't worry about it. Or there is the one true God. The one true God that is talked about in this book that I try to read every day. It's one that I, I, I've grown to, to know and understand. So I think in order for us to understand the good news, we must first understand who God is. And so, um, and here's why this is important. Because what you believe about God shapes your entire life. How many of you, you know that to be true? What you believe about God, it has a direct effect on how you live. It has a direct effect on whether you interact with Him or how you respond to Him. It has, a direct, it has a direct effect on your eternity, your view about God. So I'm going to ask you in this message, I'm going to tap into God. I mean, I could, we could talk about, well, hopefully we talk about God every Sunday, but we could talk about this subject, I mean, for, forever. But I'm going to try to just tap, just give you a touch of who God is. And if I can use this illustration, please don't be offended by this illustration. I'm trying to just give you an illustration of the attributes of God. I'm, no, I'm not comparing him to, I'm not saying that my dad was God-like. I'm just giving you an example of it through my dad. So I'm going to ask you, you just put up a picture of my dad. It's my dad, Sam Miles. My dad I passed away six or seven years ago. I miss him a lot. But I, I use him as an illustration because of the attributes he was to me, who he was in my life. So if I can start off with a TMI message here, from what I understand, my dad had a part to play in my creation. Enough said, okay? So he was part of creation, but also as I grew up, he was the authority in my home. He was lawgiver, he was judge, and he was disciplinarian, all right? How many of you are you're riding with me here? Pretty good. And you, the best place that you could be with dad is to be under his authority. The, any time that you, you will try to get above or, or subserve dad's authority, there was problems. <laughs> there was difficulties because he was dad. But also dad was so cool that sometimes you just needed a miracle. Dad would show up and he would intervene and make things happen that you didn't see coming. But not only was he father, but he was loving dad. So he was the one who demonstrated to me what love is. Demonstrated to me when I deserved to be punished, he demonstrated to me grace. And oftentimes he would give me this thing called mercy. And he, he, he showed for me his life model of what character, right, right character is and also demonstrated to me forgiveness. So he was father, he was loving dad, but then as I got older, and I don't know why I needed to maybe mature a little bit more, but I recognize that dad is kind of sharp. He's maybe not as dumb as I thought he was when I was younger, and I discovered him as to be somebody, a counselor, an advisor. He became 
an encourager. He became a friend. Does that, does that have the attributes of my dad? It's kind of like the attributes of who God is. So, so this morning, I just want to just tap into that. We're going to just kind of rapid fire just a few of the things of what it says in this book about who God is. So first of all, it says that God is the one true God. There is no other. Isaiah says this, understand, God says through the prophet Isaiah, understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been. And there never will be. I, yes, I am the Lord. There is no other. So that, that tells me all the other gods out there are imitations. They're not real. Right, right here, you, know, you talk about decision point. Each and every one of us are kind of like, as we're processing that, what is it that I believe? And that's a really good question that all of us need to answer to ourselves. There is no other God. And, and, and today, I think if there was a competitor, if, if I could just say this as a side note, if God did have a competitor, I would say it's money. I would say because we look to our God to save us, and we, we think if I just had enough of this, then it could say, but that's just a side note there. But I do think this is why a lot of people are hurting today, because they bought, they bought into the idea that this God or this thing can save me from what's going on in my life, and we recognize that, no, they, they get disappointed and frustrated because they find out, no, that's, that's not the real thing. That's not who God is. So God, God is, there is only one God. Second of all, God is eternal. The prophet Isaiah says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. God has always existed. He is not limited. He doesn't grow weak. He doesn't grow tired. It doesn't, he, I mean, like, boy, the, the, the God way back in the, in the Old Testament, I mean, he was on fire, and then he's kind of slowed down in his old age. You know, No, no, it, it's never like that. You see, God doesn't change. We change. We change as age goes by, as we change our attitude, we change the way we see life and stuff like that. But God does not change. So when you read the Bible and you see the Bible, you see, G, you see God in, the, in Genesis and Exodus, and then you go to the New Testament, there is no change in God. We change in circumstances, but God does not change. The other idea, the Bible says that God is incomprehensible. In other words, he's impossible to fully comprehend. Isaiah declare, God declares this in Isaiah. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, there are a lot of things that we can know and understand about God. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to have a growth mindset and, and dig into this book and, and discover and read and, and study and get to know your God. 
There, there, there's a lot of things that we don't even really, com- we don't know about God, but we can comprehend those. But I also will tell you this, there are certain things that will happen in life that we will never understand. It's a real, it's a challenge for me as a pastor and even as a friend to see people who go through a life crisis. And it's a tragedy. We've all seen it before. And, and we, we just look at the situation and we're asking ourselves the question, Why? Why, why did God allow that to happen? Why, why didn't God stop that? And I've seen some really, really good people walk away from God when really they should have been running to Him. They walked away from God because they could not comprehend all of the ways of God. And that's hard. Matter of fact, I, I remember when I was studying to, to, for ministry in Bible college, and I remember these brainiacs, I call them, these, these students who came out of high school and they're just really smart and intelligent. And they, and they go to, and they start studying theology. And the professor would put out challenges to us and say, You guys, I want you to think about this, pray about it, study it, figure it out, knowing full well that there is no answer to some of those things. And I remember being a part of those debates in the middle of the night in our dorm rooms as we just debate, you know, talk about it. We got to give an answer tomorrow of what we think is real. And I just remember some guys just wrestling with it so much and they could not stand it. They, they could not fully understand all the ways of God. And I saw them begin to fade away in their faith because they did not have God all figured out. I, I'm going to be real with you. I, I don't know if I want to worship a God that I have all figured out. I don't want to know. If, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I want to comprehend, be able to comprehend. I, I can't. I am not God. I am just a man. The next one, God is our creator. The first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, the very first words, God created the heavens and the earth. This is another big one that we need to understand. Where did life come from? Where did I come from? Genesis 1, 26 through 27, it answers a lot of questions. It says, uh, let us, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, he created them. So I'm not sure, I don't know if we look like God. I'm not sure if that's exactly what that means, whether God has arms or he has legs. I'm not sure. But I think in the image of God, it's talking about our hearts. The things that God values, he has placed his values in us, relationships. He says, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. You see, God is the creator of the earth and the creator of all life, animals, humans, everything God is the creator of. Today I know, it just seems like it has just risen up in the past few years, there's a a lot of confusion on this topic of gender. And and please hear me correctly when I say, uh, according to this passage, God is not confused about this topic. God did not place this confusion in our minds or in our hearts. So if it did, if God did not create the confusion, He answers the question, then where did this confusion come from? And again, we're going to talk more about this next week. 
But the Apostle Paul tells us this in Romans 1.20. He says, the, the, create, the creation of God is obvious to all of us. He says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His visible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. We have the evidence of God right before our eyes every single day. In fact, just the fact that you're breathing right now gives the evidence of God. And so Paul says, because the evidence is right before our eyes every day, there is no excuse for not knowing God. So that tells me God makes Himself obvious. He is the obvious Creator. Here's some evidence. I was, I was kind of looking this up, and I've, I've read these things before. If I can just read for a couple minutes here, just the evidences of God that are found out there. I found this evidence that earth is 93 miles away from the sun. That is just the right distance. It says that if we were a few degrees closer to the sun, we would disintegrate. If we were a few degrees further away, then we would freeze. We would turn into an ice age. The earth rotates 365 times a year as we pass around the sun. If it were shorter, then the earth would be too hot. If it was longer than 365 days, then once again we would turn it into an ice age. The axis of the earth is tilted at a perfect 23-degree angle. And what this does is this allows equal global distribution to the rays of the sun, making it possible for the food chain to exist. A planet needs to have an oxygen-rich atmosphere to provide for a temperate climate and protection from radiation. Of all the 70-some planets, planets and moons and on bodies that are in our solar system, only Earth's atmosphere is made of gases that can sustain life. Oxygen makes up 21% of the atmosphere. That is just the right amount. If there was any more, say that there was 50% oxygen, it would only take for somebody to have like a static little shock on the carpet and all of us would go boom. Did you know that the combination of nitrogen and oxygen in the atmosphere we breathe every day is the exact mix that life needs to prosper? And I just, this is just a short segment of the facts of life, of what God has done. It shows us that God is our creator. And not only did God uniquely design the earth and he sustains earth for us today, God is the designer who uniquely designed you. The psalmist proclaims in Psalm 139 where, where it says, you made, the psalmist is talking to God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. When God made you, He made the earth, He made the universe, but He also made you. And when He made you, He made you unique. Just look at your neighbor right now and say, I'm, I'm kind of unique. I've been told that by many people before. I, don't, I, I just wanted you to be aware. I'm, I'm pretty unique, and I like it. It's kind of nice. The, 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 the Apostle Paul says that you are God's masterpiece. 
Well, here's, here's a couple of things about a masterpiece. A masterpiece is perfectly designed. It's perfect. I mean, this of, of all the cuts, this is the perfect cut. And God designed you perfectly. There is no mistakes. And we look in the mirror and like, oh, I just, I don't like this. And God's like, no, no, no. There are no mistakes. You are a perfect design. You are uniquely different. And I've been told that before. Uniquely different. And no one is just like you. And you are made with a purpose. You see, God has a plan and purpose for your life. He has given you giftings and abilities that nobody else has, and He's called for you to join with Him in this plan of life change. God has a plan and purpose for your life. You have purpose. You have purpose. Yes, you do indeed. The next part is God is holy. Psalm 99 says, For the Lord our God is holy. Holy means that God is sinless. He is separated and untouched by corruption. There is no trace of evil in God's character. God cannot tolerate sin. We're going to talk about this next week. God is righteous and just. The psalmist says the Lord is righteous in all His ways, and He's faithful in all He does. Well, that word righteous means the quality or state of being morally correct. So God is all that is right is God. And I'll be honest, there's a, there's a, all of His ways lean to what is right. A lot of times the way my ways lean are wrong, and I know that. It leads me down the wrong trap. When I follow, you hear that phrase, just follow your heart. Well, I'll just be honest, I follow my heart. I'm going in the wrong direction a lot of the times. I need to follow the righteousness of God. Isaiah tells us this, for the Lord is, the Lord is a God of justice. In other words, and this is a hard one, we're going to talk about this next week, but God is not that really sloppy grandpa who just winks, winks whenever you just do something wrong. No, no, no. We, we serve a God of justice. And this issue of sin, it matters to God. It's important. It is serious. It's a very serious topic. And because God is holy and just, He, he must deal with the sin that is in the world. Because he's holy and just. God is sovereign Lord. And the word sovereign means he is a supreme ruler. Paul tells us in Colossians, it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So what that tells us is that all of earth is subject to God. That He is truly the King of all kings. He, God is above all authorities on this earth. He's above them all. God is love. This is one of my favorites. See, John the Evangelist, we've just been talking about love the verb, and that God is is love. John the Evangelist points out two very important points about God's love. He says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Two, two, Two thoughts here. Love comes from God. 
Love comes from God. So, so if you've ever traveled before, or even here in the city of Wausau, we have a river. And, 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 and the river, where it comes from, is it comes from the mountains or from the hills, from Granite Peak. And where did, where, where did Granite Peak come from? Well, it came from the snow. Where did the snow come from? The snow came from God. And that, that's kind of the way it works. Love comes from God. And it trickles down into our lives and through our lives, and it affects others like a river. But not only that, but God is love. God is love. The water that comes from God is an outpouring of God Himself. I know I'm saying a lot there, but understand this. Understand this about God's love. The Bible says that God loves you. He understands what love is. It is who He is. He understands it, and He says that He loves you beyond measure. Listen to me. God loves you beyond measure. He loves you unconditionally. So no matter what you're doing, no matter how much you reject Him, no, more, no matter how you ignore Him or avoid Him, God still loves you. He loves you with compassion. He loves you with mercy. He is slow to anger. He is filled with unfailing love and faithfulness towards you, even when we are not faithful towards Him. Listen to me. God loves you. Some of you, you needed to hear that this morning. You needed to be reminded that God loves you with an everlasting love. Last of all, we see in His Word that God is relational. If you hear anything in this message today, understand this. God, the creator of the universe, the one and only God, wants to have a relationship with you. He created you for relationship, and we see this, and when he made Adam and Eve, that God would come and meet with them in the evenings and spend time with them in relationship. Here's, a, here's another few examples of relationship. In, in Exodus, it talks about that God would meet with Moses in the tent of meeting, and they would, he would speak to them as he would speak to a friend. We see that in 1 John, it talks about like a, like a father loves their son or loves their daughter. We see in Jeremiah where it, it says, talking about pursuing relationship from the heart, it says, if you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Relationship. God wants to have relationship with you. So, so here's the question. If God is all of these things, how then are we called to respond? How do you respond? I mean, all of these things, what, what does God want from me? The, my first advice would, would be to follow him through faith. Respond to him in faith. Put your faith in him. Put your faith in God and all these things and in nothing else. And you know what? First of all, you must first believe that he exists, that he is who he says that he is, and that he can do what he says that he can do. Second of all, have reverence. To have reverence to God is to recognize that he is God and you are not. And when you come to that point in your life, then you will come to that point where this place of submission, I know that's like not a politically correct word, but that's really a good place to be. Remember going back to my dad, talking about my dad, he's like, if you, if you didn't submit to his authority, again, there was, when you don't submit to your, his authority, there was never peace. The peace was always absent. 
And then the way to have peace with God is to come under His authority and reverence of who He is and make Him the leader of your life. We, 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 we respond to Him through obedience. In other words, we do what He tells you to do. But here's the deal. By the way, we talked about love languages here a few weeks ago. I meant to mention this. You know what God's love language is? Obedience. But how can you obey a God that you're not listening to? How do you know what to do if you're not spending time listening to Him? We, we respond to Him in worship. So worship is more than just the songs that we sang this morning. But worship is to give your devotion to a person or thing that you love the most. It's giving your devotions. More than singing songs, it's giving your life, your pursuit. That's the, the next word. To pursue it is to go after something so that you can obtain more of it. God wants to be pursued. If you seek Him with all of your heart, God will be found by you. We, put, we, we respond to God by trusting Him, by giving Him our worries, giving Him our anxiety, casting our cares on Him, for He cares for you. And then last of all, we respond to God through love. Love is what you give to the object of your affection. Let me say that one more time. Love is the thing that you give to the object of your affection. And so Jesus, the question is asked to him, how am I supposed to worship God? What does God want from me anyhow? And he says, let me sum it up. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love God with all that you've got. How do you respond to a living God who is just so massive we can't even comprehend? Just love him with all you've got. Love him. So the good news starts with God, His love and His plan. Hey, let me just give you the bottom line. Sometimes that's what we need, the bottom line. What is the bottom line of what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to say this morning to you is God is very much alive. Very much alive. Very much active in the world. Number two, God created you with a plan and a purpose. God wants to work in you and through you. That same love that is poured into you, He wants you to pour that same love out into this world. There is a plan, an individual plan and purpose for your lives. Last of all, God's greatest desire for your life is to have a relationship with you. That was His biggest intent, to have a relationship with you. So I ask you this morning, based on what you know about God, do you have a relationship with Him? Have you opened up your heart and allowed God, the God of the universe, to come live inside of you? And are you engaged in relationship with Him? What is your response to your knowledge of God? What is your response? And maybe you're here today and you're just like, you know what, I, I don't have a relationship. I have a knowledge of God, but I want this thing called relationship with God. I want to know the love of God. I want to have peace with God. 
I want you to know God is always, you may have been a part of this church for 30 years and have heard this a million times, but please do not forget, God is always only a prayer away. And one of the most powerful prayers that you can ever pray is the simple words of God, I need you. I need you. Can we just do that right now? God, because when you say that first word, God, you're acknowledging that he's alive and that he's real. I need you is a prayer of submission. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of trust. It's a prayer of relationship. So God, we call out to you. We know that you're alive. We know who you are, creator. You are Lord. You are righteous. You are holy. We put ourselves under you and, and we ask for forgiveness for those times we've tried to avoid you, go around you, try to stand above you. God, we need you today. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer before, but say, God, I ask you to come into my life. I want to have peace with God. I want to know you more. I want to know more about this good news. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you, Lord, I'm going to do my best to make you Lord and Savior of my life today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just give God praise this morning? We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise and we give you honor. As I close out this message, we have been following the 40 days of Love the Verb. How many have been following right along? Each week, we have been giving you a verb of how to live out God's love. So the first week, we said we're going to listen. We're going to listen to people. The second week, we said we are going to accept people who are different than us, the way that Christ accepts us. We are going to, next week, we're going to comfort people in their pain. This past week, we have been working through forgiveness. I'm telling you, this has been one of the most powerful weeks for me as God's been speaking to me about forgiveness. This week, are you ready for your verb? Who's ready for the verb? Everybody just say, give it to me, Pastor. The, to this week's verb is I'm going to invite. Because there, there's a lot of you right now who are discovering, ah, oh, there's some friends who remember that just one challenge. I wish my friend would have heard this about God today. And this, and I promise you on Easter Sunday, people are more open to attend a church on Christmas and Easter. So right now, you are at the prime spot. Some three weeks out, this is prime time to invite. But don't do inviting on your own. Pray. So God, just give me favor. Give me the words to speak and the heart to speak it. So Lord, we just pray right now for those, those friends who we've been praying for, talking to them about God's love. We're praying for opportunities to share the good news. We're praying for opportunities to just invite. God, we're excited about what's going to happen on Easter Sunday. Lives changed in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you, God. Thank you. I'm excited about this sermon series of what, what we're going to discover. I know this changed me when I fully grasped the message of the gospel, and it's going to continue to bring change in your life. Hey, this is Sheldon Miles here, pastor at Thrive Church, and I want to thank you for watching this video. And if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. 
Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome, accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, you were created to thrive. We'll see you next week.